Let's do it. Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, January the 23rd, 2019. It's 4 p.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Los Angeles, 9 p.m. in London, and Sydney, Australia is at 8 a.m. wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us for yet another edition of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And we actually have a third person joining us today because Dee Dee Stinson, who is one of our regular listeners, has decided she wants to be a part of the Neville conversation. And, and Dee Dee, <laughs> I, I take it you've been studying up so you can be a real scholar on this. Am I right about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I've been studying. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this is going to be good. This is going to, this is going to be the first time we've actually done Neville as a threesome, Cindy. I don't think we've ever done that before. So that should be kind I of fun. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure that we have either, but that's all right. We'll just make it up as we go along. We were trying to figure out before we got started where we were leaving off the last time, and we've kind of decided somewhere in Chapter 5, but we aren't sure where. So let's just pick a no, spot. I think I figured it out. <laughs> oh, you, you think you got it? Oh, really? Cool. So I where, do. I, so where I are think. We? <laughs> or where um, do you think we are? At least I've decided where we'll start. Um, okay. <laughs> that's a good that's way to do it. where we left off. Close to it. So I'm trying to figure out how to tell you where it is. A little ways down, maybe halfway down What's in the, the fifth chapter. where Because we talked about this before. So uh, Neville leads with some scripture verses about that all have I am. I am the door. I am the way. I am the resurrection and yes. the life. Yes, okay, I know where you are. Right? No man uh, cometh unto my Father save by me. Right. And, of course... The way we always explain this with Neville, when he's talking about any kind of pronoun, really, I am, or father, or no man, or me, I am. He says in the next verse, he explains that the I am, your consciousness, is the only door through which anything can pass into your world. So I think that's a, might be where we left off. It's certainly a right, Cindy. It's certainly yeah. a decoder ring entry, so it makes sense that we would leave off there. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole, um, I, I really like this sentence, though, right? It's like your consciousness is the only door through which anything can pass into your world. Mm. This is true. And then he says, stop looking for signs. And that that's why I thought we left off here, because we had a big discussion about this the last time we mm. were here. Signs follow. They do not precede. Yes. Begin to yes. reverse the statement. Seeing is believing, to believing is seeing. Start now to believe, not with the wavering confidence based on deceptive external evidence, but with an undaunted confidence based on the immutable law that you can be that which you desire to be. You will find that you are not a victim of fate, but a victim of faith, your own. It's interesting, too, that he, he gave us that uh, comparison there, seeing is believing to believing is seeing, which is Dr. Wayne Dyer. He says the same thing. I wonder if, if uh, Wayne got it from this. I wonder if that's where he originally got the concept huh. from. But that's his that's famous. He's very famous for that one, right? Uh, you know, it's not uh, I will see it. I will believe it when I see it. It's I will see it when I believe it. That That's what he's very famous for saying. So, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. That's good. And, you know, I like the way he talks about here. Um, that we'll start to believe not with wavering confidence that's mm-hmm. based on deceptive external evidence. Right. Yep. Right. It's like when we do exercises where we, like I, I often sometimes, sometimes now, often in the past, but I still like the exercises to keep an, an evidence journal, but it's evidence of good things that you want to bring more of into your life, kind of like the book of positive aspects, right? Right. But yep. he, he's talking here about something that he calls deceptive external evidence. And I think that when we base our confidence on that, it, it is wavering. Mm, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Very All true. Right. Only through one door can that which you seek pass into the world of manifestation. I am the door. Your consciousness is the door. So you must become conscious of being and having 
that which you desire to be and to have. Any attempt to realize your desires in ways other than through the door of consciousness makes you a thief and a robber unto yourself. That's interesting language. Yes. <laughs> well, it's very direct, uh, actually. Surprisingly direct for, for Neville, because he usually is a little bit more obtuse than that. So, whoa. Yeah. He's, he, I, I, he's making a point there, though, isn't he? I mean, he's making a very specific point. And I really like the, the how he mentions so often, um, not just having, you know, we... we we often think about law of attraction uh, as a way to get things, <laughs> mm. things we want to have. But he always brings up this, the idea of being, having that which you desire to be and to have. And that identity piece is so important because we won't have those things unless we can step into the identity of someone who has them, whatever they are, talents, gifts, material things, confidence, whatever it is that you're going for a relationship, you know, whatever. You have to be able to see yourself as being that person. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important key here that he's pointing out. And, yes. and his, his use of the language, a thief and a robber. I mean, that's really, that, that that's very blunt for him. And when he's, when he's blunt like that, I take, I, I pay attention to it. You know, I take notice. And in this case, I think what he's really saying is, let me just reread the sentence. Any attempt to realize your desires in ways other than through the door of consciousness makes you a thief and robber unto yourself. Another way of saying we are often beating ourselves up in big, big ways. And when, when we beat ourselves up, we're essentially doing it because we are not behaving in our highest conscious level. What's the highest conscious level? That's the one where we're feeling our best. That's where we're feeling good. So if we're, if we're trying to go after our desires, if we're trying to go after whatever we want in life, in any other level besides that highest level, we are stealing from ourselves. We're beating ourselves up. And that's what we do. I mean, that's, that's, we see this all the time. I've been seeing it just today in many, many ways, all the different ways that we beat ourselves up. And, and I like his phrasing. We are a thief and a robber of ourselves. Yeah, and it makes me think of we're, we're trying to maybe take a shortcut. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> or, right. Or cheat our way to, to it because we're we're not recognizing that it's coming through us and through our own, our own consciousness yes. instead of, you know, some other way to get it. Oh, yes. so I li and you know, that that's an interesting thought because I think a lot of people, um, and we, we've talked about this before about practice, about how important it is to, to practice, to spend the time and the focus and the energy and the work to do the work. And I think that, a lot of people come to law of attraction thinking that it's not going to be any work or thinking that it's an easy <laughs> way to get, right? It's the yes. same reason people come to religions and to magic and to any other practice where they think it's a shortcut to get what they want. And then when we really get into the thick of it, we realize that any way we go, we're going to have to apply ourselves and focus mm. our energy and learn how to direct our consciousness instead of just, you know, so <laughs> waving a magic wand <laughs> so true oh my goodness yeah the story of my life right there you just you just told my entire life story thank you <laughs> <laughs> so neville goes on to say any expression that is not felt is unnatural before anything appears god i am feels itself to be the thing desired and then the thing felt appears it is resurrected, lifted out of the nothingness. I am wealthy, poor, healthy, sick, free, confined. Were all first impressions or conditions felt before they became visible expressions? What do you think about that? <laughs> I was well, thinking about this just a few minutes ago about uh, wealthy, you know, being wealthy. How, what is the naturalness of being wealthy? How can you feel that before you are it? <laughs> well, that's what he's claiming, too, that you have to do that. That is exactly what happens. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, one, of my, one of my favorite stories uh, comes from a friend of mine who is an amazing law of attraction uh, coach. Mm. And she told this story about before she was um, into law of attraction, when she, she was in a corporate job. And that somebody that worked with her came and told her 
um, that, that she was in line, that they were considering her for this huge promotion. And it would be putting her into another department and with a, you know, a different group of people making a lot more money. And she was already making like really good money. Mm. And so this was going to be a really big bump in money. And she said, she started having these thoughts like, Oh, I wonder, I bet that crowd, I bet, I bet after work they don't have a beer. I bet they have a cocktail. <laughs> oh. And and I bet they don't wear jeans. I bet they wear slacks, right? Right? I mean, uh, and it's great to hear her tell it because she has all these ideas. Yeah. And it's like, oh well, that's how we do it, or or mm. don't do it, right? That's how we hold ourselves in a different space because it's not the person we are yet. <laughs> Right. And that's what Neville's trying to teach us is how to step into that other identity. And and Walt mm. pointed out one day that we were having this discussion after the podcast about this very thing and about some things that I have I have done in my practice. Um, and he reminded me that Neville was an actor. I mean, that's he right. came to America to study acting and be an actor, and and I think he was a successful actor. He was very successful. Oh yeah. He and gave so, up a very lucrative career. So he he knew how to step into a, a different role. Mm. Which is really what he's talking mm. about. That's right. Right? Yeah, this is really acting school. We don't really think about it that way, but that's really what this is. This is learning how to be a true actor. And and before they even called it method acting, because method acting originated, I believe, in the nineteen fifties and he was talking about this wow. stuff long before the method came along, but this is method acting, stepping into the role. That's it, right there. That's cool. Okay. He so also talks about. I'm sorry. Um, Neville also talks about when you're when you're not wealthy. If you're down to your last dollar and you need to spend it, spend it with joy. Don't be afraid to spend it. Spend it as a as if a wealthy person spends their money. You know, you're not afraid. You just do it. You mm -hmm. know. So I guess that's one way. I've actually spoken to people before that were doing things that were that would be kind of broadcasting the energy of lack without really even thinking about it. Like I remember someone telling me one time that that they were only taking half doses of their medicine mm. because they they were afraid that they would run out and wouldn't be able to afford the refill. Mm, wow. Right? And so it's like, it's really tough because that's understandable for someone that's in that position and they're worried, right? But you can mm. see there that if they had no, you know, if they didn't have any lack, they wouldn't be even thinking about that. Oh, yeah, mm. exactly. And I think we probably all do that in one way or another all the time. It's oh, like sure. we hold on to things or we, you know, we're worried we won't be able to replace something. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I get what he's saying there. It might be easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> it's always yeah. easier said than done, but that's the whole yeah. point. That's yeah. why we're learning to do this stuff. We're learning to focus our minds and saying, yes, I want to focus on this. I mean, to heck with whether it's hard. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So true. So, so Neville says your world is your consciousness objectified. Waste no time trying to change the outside. Change the within or the impression and the without or expression will take care of itself. When the truth of this statement dawns on you, you will know that you have found the lost word or the key to every door. I am your consciousness is the magical lost word which was made flesh in the likeness of that which you are conscious of being. I am he right now. I am overshadowing you, the reader, my living temple, with my presence, urging upon you a new expression. Your desires are my spoken words. My words are spirit and they are true and they shall not return unto me void but shall accomplish whereunto they are sent. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. They are not something to be worked out. They are garments that I, your faceless, formless self, wear. Behold, I, 
clothed in your desire, stand at the door, your consciousness, and knock. If you hear my voice and open unto me, recognize me as your Savior, hmm, I will come into you and sup with you and you with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, it's important here to get the Neville decoder ring out. Boy, oh boy, is that the case. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that when you are hearing this, and especially if you've had any kind of religious background, a Christian background, it's very easy to hear God speaking or Jesus speaking or whatever. But Neville is saying this is the voice of your consciousness. Your consciousness, Neville says, is the one that's going to save you. Your consciousness is the one that's going to resurrect you. Your consciousness is the one that's going to bring you into that, that the promised land, so to speak. It's Mm -hmm. your consciousness. So when he's saying these two paragraphs, it sounds so flowery and so much like and interwoven with uh, Christian scriptures. He's not speaking as though God's speaking. He's speaking as though your consciousness is speaking to you or your higher self, your source. So it's, it's important to remember that when you're reading Neville. It is. And we got to take because, it a step further, too, because um, he once again draws a, a correlation. He, he says, door your consciousness. Now, consciousness, he's also equated to God and to Jesus and a couple other ways. I can't even think what they were, but they're all equivalent. So knocking at the door is knocking at God, is knocking at Jesus, is knocking at your conscience. It's all the same thing. So when he says, when he uses a verse and says, I am the door, and he's taking it out of the Christian Bible, and most Christians will say, that's Jesus speaking. Jesus mm-hmm. said, I am the door. Neville says, no, your consciousness is the right. door. That's the door through which everything comes to you. It's your consciousness. This is like fourth so, level Neville decoder <laughs> ring. You have you have to have like levels to your <laughs> ring. You know, <laughs> you know I also read somewhere. <laughs> what was that, I'm Jeannie? sorry. I read somewhere that Neville said, God is your imagination. And Jesus is your imagination in action. So God is the imagination. Mm. Jesus is the imagining. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In in the book that we read, uh, Neville's book, um, Power of Awareness, and also Mm -hmm. the book about imagination, he said that. He went over that a lot. And it's, it's still, still sometimes when I read this, I have to, remind myself what he's saying. Otherwise, I'm going, where is he going? (laughs) Where is he going with this? So he says, when you pray, believe that you've received it, and it shall be so. Uh, All things are possible to him who believes. Make the impossible possible through your belief, and the impossible to others will embody itself in your world. And I like the way he makes that distinction. He's, he's not thinking it's impossible to you because you're a believer. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. It's just impossible to others. Uh, all nice men to hear, have actually. had proof <laughs> of the power of faith. The faith that moves mountains is faith in yourself. No man has faith in God who lacks confidence in himself. Your faith in God is measured by your confidence in yourself. I and my Father are one. Man and his God are one. Consciousness and manifestation are one. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. In the midst of all the doubts and changing opinions of others, let there be a conviction, a firmness of belief, and you shall see the dry land. Your belief will appear. I feel like that sentence, that one sentence, I and my father are one, man and his God are one, consciousness and manifestation are one. I feel like the Neville Dakota ring just kind of fused together. Just with that one sentence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What stands out for you there? The thing that stands out for me is him saying, no man has faith in God who lacks confidence in himself. Mm. It was just the opposite for me. If I thought, if I had no confidence, then certainly I can have confidence in God, but it's the same thing. But but that's the standard (laughs) view most people have, isn't it? You know, okay, yes. I, I don't have the confidence, but I'll just lean on God because God has the confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the way most people look at it. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> the reward is to him that endureth unto the end. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. A conviction is not a conviction if it can be shaken. Your desire will be as clouds without rain unless you believe. You know, that's that's interesting. A conviction is not a conviction if it can be shaken. Um, one of the things that I recognize happens is that whenever we make a really strong declaration, you know, to the universe or to other people about something, that we often get, I, I like to call it a field test. It, it's like not a pass or fail test, but it's a litmus test. It's like very often we'll suddenly be in a position where we can, where we have two choices. We either have the choice to embody that that conviction or to go back to the old whoever we were before. You know, it's like the new story or the old story. Mm. Like how many times people say, that they're, you know, ready to get out of one career and go and do something else. And then as soon as they make that decision, they get some job offer for the old career, like the mm-hmm. big thing. that, it, And then they have to make a choice. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's a it's a litmus test that really shows you how sure you were about this thing. I mean, yeah. I, I know people that have been in that situation and, and got a, an amazing offer that they would have just – Love to have had up until that point and so tempting. And they said, nope, I made this decision. I'm going with it. You know, so that's that conviction. You know, he says it, a conviction will get shaken. I mean, I think it will. He says a conviction is not a conviction if it can be shaken, but I think it's going to be shaken a lot of the time. <laughs> it does. Oh, I agree. In fact, I would point out that convictions can work in both directions. I mean, we think about it and we're talking about a conviction as if it were a conviction about something that's really important to us and that really feels good and it's the direction we want to go in and so forth. But more often, more frequently, people will, 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 will convict. I'm trying to think what the right verb is. They, they will create a conviction about that which is least good, what, what feels least good to them. Oh. Because right. they're afraid, because they you know they don't dare step out of the comfort zone. So, I, yeah, I I'm currently on disability and I'm making twenty five thousand dollars a year off off my disability. But I've just been offered an eighty thousand dollar a year job. But I don't dare take it because I'll lose my disability. So I'm going to stay with a disability. I've oh, actually yeah. spoken to more than one person that said almost that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it works either direction. It's like, <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know when we. When we're convicted of something, so you're right. And and I think that when we make any kind of strong, you know, declaration, we're going to experience some kind of shaking. And mm. and it's okay. It shows us how strong our conviction is. Yeah. He says your unconditioned awareness or no no, okay, hold on, buckle up, because <laughs> your unconditioned awareness or I am is the Virgin Mary who knew not a man, and yet, unaided by man, conceived and bore a son. Mary, the unconditioned consciousness, desired and then became conscious of being the conditioned state which she desired to express, and in a way unknown to others, became it. Okay, now I, 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 I have to call stop here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not for the reason you expect, because I remember very distinctly there was a chapter, I don't remember which book it was, where he divided conscious and unconscious as male and right. female. And right. if I remember correctly, unconscious was female. I thought. Subconscious, right. Subconscious. But here right. he's saying that Mary, the unconscious, the unconditioned consciousness, desired and then became conscious of being the conditioned state which she desired to express. Well, which is it? Right. <laughs> is it subconscious or is it conscious? <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious if his speaking of consciousness, mm. if our consciousness includes conscious and subconscious. Well, that's possible. Because mm. I remember him talking about they're not really divided. Right, he did say that. Yes, they're one, but but in order to explain you know, how things get manifested, it's easier to divide them into the subconscious 
and the conscious or the waking conscious. It's like the part we are aware of mm. and then the part we are unaware of. Um, so that could be the case as well. Not saying it is. I'm just. It's a good explanation. I, I, it's better than it being a mixed metaphor and being confused. <laughs> so he says, go and do likewise. Assume the consciousness of that which you desire to be, and you too will give birth to your Savior. So remember now, again, that Neville views the whole Christian story as not being historical, but being metaphorical. All of it. So when he talks about Jesus and the Father and Mary, he's using it all as a metaphor. Jeffrey uh, made an interesting comment. He says, the, the unconscious is what births our consciousness. Yes. That's what Neville teaches. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's so the Neville. unconditioned consciousness is the I am. Is that the subconscious? Also? It's all of our consciousness. All of if our I consciousness. Believe, if I understand Neville correctly. And when he talks about unconditioned consciousness, it sort of sounds like the subconscious, right? Mm, it certainly does, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. When the annunciation is made, when the urge or desire is upon you, believe it to be God's spoken word seeking embodiment through you. Go, tell no man of this holy thing that you have conceived. Lock your secret within you and magnify the Lord. Magnify or believe your desire to be your savior coming to be with you. So again, he's using all of this metaphorically, but he, this is an interesting thing because I've read lots of teachers that teach this, that when you have a desire for a certain thing, that when you want to manifest it consciously, um, to, to not tell anyone about it. Mm -hmm. And then I hear other teachers say, you know, you need to be able to speak it and say it and claim it, right? So there are kind of different, uh, thoughts here. I can't tell you which thought I have. <laughs> sometimes I do one and sometimes I do the other. Yeah, I do I think it's thinking, a, oh, sorry, No, I was just thinking I was I when I read that, I thought he was saying um like go tell no man because there will be some people who don't support whatever it is that you're desiring or you're dreaming. And they would try to tear you down. So just keep it secret. Keep it to yourself. I think that's it, too. Um, and that's what I was speaking of. A lot of teachers will say, if you're going to tell anybody, be, be sure that the people that you tell about your big dreams, your big goals, mm -hmm. are people that will support that. Mm. Yeah. People that will support you. People mm -hmm. that won't crush your dreams, right? And, you know, yes. so, sometimes it's the people that love us the most that yes. aren't supportive because exactly. they don't want us to be disappointed and they think we're mm -hmm. overreaching or they think mm -hmm. that we're wanting to create something impossible. You know, we talked about at the beginning of the chapter where Neville talks about not impossible to you because you believe, right. but impossible to other people. Right. And when, mm -hmm. when people who love us hear us, you know, swinging for the fences, sometimes they're like, Oh, well, don't you think maybe it would be better if you did X, Y, Z? Because they mm -hmm. think we'd have more success there, mm -hmm. thinking smaller, <laughs> right? Thinking smaller. Yes. Uh, and they don't want us to be disappointed. So, you know, the the intention, I always like to assume positive intent. Uh, mm -hmm. But sometimes it can be a real dream crusher to have everyone telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring I, it back. <laughs> I recall a story that Louise has told a few times about how before she met me, um, when she was first few years out on her own, and on numerous occasions she would change apartments, she'd get a new car, you know, something along that line. And invariably, family, family members were, you know, questioning whether she could afford it, and you know, which, you know, has she figured out how she's going to pay all of her expenses and all this kind of thing? Exactly what you're talking about, dream crushing, yeah. and, and on the most yeah. mundane things. I mean, apartments, you know, that you, you got to have a place to live, and yet. Right. Here they were trying to break her down on that. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, and I think the intention is usually good. You it know? is. Like people, it is. They don't want to see us fail or be disappointed, and they want to see. So, so it's a good it's a good thing to keep in mind when we're when we're sharing uh, our big dreams with other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When this when this belief is so firmly established that you feel confident of results. Your desire will embody itself. How it will be done, no man knows. 
I, your desire, have ways ye know not of. My ways are past finding out. Your desire can be likened to a seed, and seeds contain within themselves both the power and the plan of self-expression. Your consciousness is the soil. These seeds are successfully planted only if, after you have claimed yourself to be and to have that which you desire, you confidently await results without an anxious thought. You know, I was thinking about this recently. I was thinking, oh, okay, I must have picked this up from Neville, maybe. But so much of what we've been reading over the past months um, deal with believing it. And like when we did the work of creating vignettes, and Neville talked about that greater dimensional space, and that in that space called the imagination, but the place that we're at so if I if if we all closed our eyes right now and started imagining we were I don't know at the Eiffel Tower or something you know in that imaginal space Neville says we are there right and so yeah. he's got this yes. kind of like it's already done and you think one of his chapters was even that it's like oh, it's yeah. finished it's already done and I was thinking about what he's talking about right here where he said he talks about believing it. And then awaiting the result without being anxious. And I thought of how many times we check to see. All the time. Like, you know, we check to see if something's happened yet. Mm-hmm. Did the email mm-hmm. come yet? You know, did, did, the, did the person show up yet? Um, and if it were already so and we knew it, we wouldn't even be checking. This is right. Right. I, I call it keeping so score. I, you know, we, we, we like to keep score. You know, let's see. How many points have I gotten today? Yep. I haven't gotten any points today. There's something wrong. I must yeah. not be attracting right. Maybe I have to go read the secret again. <laughs> I, I caught myself. I caught myself this past week thinking about something, wondering if something, and I thought, oh, why am I? It's a done deal. Why am I checking on that? If if I really believed that it was a done deal, I would not be checking. That's true. Exactly true. Another easier said than done. Well, that's just the point. And, and that's actually what we should probably talk about for a moment. Because I mean, he, he's making it really clear that you have to be really clear. <laughs> you have to have that real clear sense of conviction. And that if you don't, you really aren't doing a full job of imagining. So let's pose the question. If we find ourselves dithering a little bit, wavering back and forth, what do we do about it? What does Neville tell us that we can do about that? Well, I, I would say that Neville would say we go back to that greater imaginal space. We go back there. I think also you he know, says, we, I mean, he's been pretty clear in this chapter. There's, there's one two-word phrase that shows up about 50 times. I uh-huh. am. <laughs> I am. I am. You go back to uh-huh. I am. And, and I think you're right. Yeah. That is that imaginal space. Um, yeah. but, but just repeating the words I am to oneself until one gets into almost a zone about it. That's basically I've been using that lately. Have you? Yeah, I have. Um, as a as a meditation. Mm-hmm. Just those just those words. And I think that, you know, that's when we find ourselves checking to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Being anxious. I think that's where we go back to. We remind ourselves, oh no. You know, sort of like um have you ever done something had a task on your to-do list and you've done it and then but you forgot and then you remember you know it's like oh yeah i need to go oh wait no i did that already (laughs) i mean i've done that before it's like oh something that maybe has been on my list for a few days like i have to mail these letters i have to mail these letters right and then i throw them in the mailbox and then later on i'm like oh the letters oh wait no that that already happened Mm -hmm. i think we can do that we can say when we catch ourselves we can go oh wait no this is this is it's already done by the way, I'm Cindy, already that. I, I wanted to mention to you, uh, I, I can't remember when it was, maybe a week or two ago, I I said to you that I had never heard I am as a mantra before. And mm-hmm. we had a little conversation about that and so forth. And you were a little surprised that I'd never heard it. Well, just in the last few days, I played an episode of a television show from a few years ago called Iconoclast. I don't think the series even got anywhere. I think it kind of died out. But this particular episode had two people, Mike Myers, the comedian, 
and Deepak Chopra. And they were having this conversation. And in that conversation, Deepak Chopra <laughs> was describing meditation. And you know what mantra he mentioned? I uh-huh. am. <laughs> there are no synchronicities wow. in this world, are there? No, of course not. <laughs> I love it when that happens. I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It always feels so great. Uh, you know, it's almost like the universe Chopra. saying, please just sit up and take notice, Walt. This is important. We're pointing out to you, that, again, this very, very key yeah. concept. So pay attention. <laughs> wow. Deepak Chopra says that in Vedantic uh, philosophy, that there are only two signs of enlightenment. Mm. Two. One is that you stop worrying so much. And the other one is that you experience more meaningful coincidences. Wow. Or synchronicities. So, well, I'm doing better on part two. <laughs> you have your way to enlightenment. You're doing better on part two? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Now, I have to say, I, uh, my mother was a champion warrior. May mm. she rest in peace. And so I learned from her. But she worried about everything so much that... I, I didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? I would say, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, I don't I don't want to do that. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I think that that actually helped me not be so much of a worrier because I watched her worry so much. <laughs> but I, I feel like I worry less and less these days. So that's a, that must be a good thing. I hadn't thought about that in a while. But uh... <laughs> my, my mom was kind of a, a mentor in that same way, too. I, I can't say I've completely gotten the same lesson out of it you did, but I saw firsthand what happens when you worry and – Certainly a lot of incentive got created that way. Let's put it that way. My my mom was a gold medalist at worrying. Gold medalist. I remember one time I was like an adult. I had lived away. I was raising my own family. I had been lived away from home for, you know, decades. And we used to email each other a lot, you know, back when, back when it was very expensive to make long distance phone calls Mm. before cell phones were, you know, free minutes and all that. And so we would email and one time I emailed her and she said, oh, I'm so glad, you know, to hear get your email. I was worried about you. I said, you were worried about me. And she said, well, I hadn't heard from you since, like, yesterday morning. And I was like, Mom, <laughs> I was just doing normal stuff. And she said, oh, I always worry about you until I hear from you again. <laughs> oh, bless her. Bless her. Oh, wow. She yeah. loved me. So, but she yeah. <laughs> so, so when we're worrying about whether something's going to happen, when we're anxious, uh, that's when we go back and we remind ourselves to do the imaginal work again and uh, understand what it feels like. I think I'm going to print it out in big letters on a piece of paper, <laughs> I am, and just paste it on the wall in front of me so that I always see it to remind me that, you know, whenever I'm feeling shaky or worried or discouraged or whatever... Right there, I am. Oh, yeah, okay, that's what I have to do. Right, I am. Got it. <laughs> My desk has this cool little ridge that goes across the top under the bookshelves, and it's a perfect place to put Post-it notes. Mm. And I actually looked up there when you were saying that. I was like, I think I have one that says that. No, I don't. <laughs> I need to make one. Time for another Post-it note. <laughs> Time for another Post-it note. I have one that says permission granted. <laughs> that's a good one. Here you go. Let's see. Is right. you guys, I have one more thing. Is worrying? Do you think worrying is doubting? It's like sure. doubting that God is capable of doing what it is we need done, or doubting yourself. He's like doubting that doubting you're capable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. And you know what? I mean, I, here's the thing. I don't beat myself up for worrying. And, and I don't encourage anyone else to beat themselves up for worrying about things. Just catch yourself and redirect. Yes. You know, all is well. Mm-hmm. Um, By the we way, live uh, in a world that gives us lots of things to worry about. A couple of interesting <laughs> comments from uh, from our listening audience. Jamie was saying he tells us not to dig up the seed we planted and that doubt causes a mental miscarriage. And Jeffrey followed up by saying, I plant many seeds, trees, herbs, flowers, spring is coming. <laughs> so yeah, That's good. No, but that's right. And you would yeah. never keep digging up seeds that that's you planted right. in the actual ground. That That's why I love this idea about, I love using seeds as a metaphor because yeah. there's yeah. actually three phases to manifestation. You know, there's the planting of the seed. There's our making intentions, our 
declarations of what we're going to create. And then there's the time where the seed is in the ground, in the darkness, in the dirt. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we walk by that little plot and it looks like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening every day. We walk by it. It's just a patch of dirt. It's a patch of dirt. It's still a patch of dirt. (laughs) And then one day we walk by and we see a sprout. And it's like, yes, the sprouts are coming up. But it's that middle ground where we don't see anything and Mm. we think nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. There's always something happening during that time. And that's the time when a lot of us lose faith and when a lot Mm -hmm. of us quit and give up and stop our our work, stop our conscious creation work. Well, that's where the worrying happens. That's the worrying ground. Yes. Yes. That's where I think to myself, well, okay, yeah, I know it's growing, but maybe it's growing in the wrong direction. (laughs) Or maybe I put the wrong seed in the ground. Maybe it's the wrong plant. What if I don't like the plant? What if if it comes up wrong? (laughs) All these little things come up. Right. And you just have to hang on. And this is when we go back and do the the imaginal space work, Mm -hmm. I think. I think that's when it works. That's what it's for. That's the correct. I mean, I'm joking about that. I really am serious. I'm going to put a sign up right in front of me that says I am, because that is the one thing I need to remember more than anything else. I am. I am. Yeah. So let's see. You think we're going to finish this chapter today? We got a good shot at it. (laughs) Let's see. If I be lifted up in consciousness to the naturalness of my desire, I shall automatically draw the manifestation unto me. Consciousness is the door through which life reveals itself. Consciousness is always objectifying itself. That's an interesting thing. That's another thing we need to remember. Did you want to see where your consciousness is? Just look around you. Yes. <laughs> True. Yes. It actually depresses me sometimes, but that's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I know. Uh, to be conscious of being or possessing anything is to be or have that which you are conscious of being or possessing. Therefore, lift yourself to the consciousness of your desire. You will see it automatically outpicturing itself. To do this, you must deny your present identity. Let him deny himself. You deny a thing by taking your attention away from it. To drop a thing, a problem, or ego from consciousness, you dwell upon God, God being I am. That's just what you said, Walt. Like, this is the most important thing right here. To drop the present identity. Because often our self picture of our our self sense of identity is that i'm not (laughs) not that i am be still and know that i am is god neville made a little edit there did you catch it (laughs) what was the edit that you see i'm I'm not seeing it in the book well well the 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 verse as i've learned it in the past in the Psalms is be still and know that I am God. Oh yeah. But so Neville says mean. be still and know that I am is God. He is yes, God. Is God. Yes, yeah. you're right. <laughs> Believe, feel that I am. Know that this knowing one within you, your awareness of being is God. Close your eyes and feel yourself to be faceless, formless, and without figure. Approach this stillness as though it were the easiest thing in the world to accomplish, this attitude will assure your success. When all thought of problem or self is dropped from consciousness because you are now absorbed or lost in the feeling of just being I am, then begin in this formless state to feel yourself to be that which you desire to be. I am that I am. The moment you reach a certain degree of intensity, so that you actually feel yourself to be a new conception. This new feeling or consciousness is established and in due time will personify itself in the world of form. Now, this is interesting because he talked in a few chapters back, I believe, you were talking about it today, Walt, about using I am as a mantra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, and I mentioned so hum, which is Sanskrit for I am, very famous meditative mantra. And he says right here that if we will kind of get lost in the feeling of being I am, and when I hear him say that to me, he's talking about meditation. Mm -hmm. Uh, To allow ourselves the time and the space 
to relax, close our eyes, and get lost in that sense of I am, he says that all thoughts of problems or self is dropped because we're now lost in that feeling. Mm. So he says at that point when we feel ourselves, he used the word floating at one time, when we feel ourselves lost in that feeling, that that's when we start um, deciding, you know, a new identity. And to me, that's, we are creating the right soil to plant the seed in. Yeah. That's then true. he you, says, you're, that, that, that's what it, any, any gardener knows that you have to amend your soil. If you just try to pick, you know, whatever dirt is around, it could be just full of clay and you wouldn't be able to grow anything in it anyway. So you have to amend the soil. That I think that's what he's alluding to there. It makes sense. I think so too. Yeah. He says this new perception will express itself as naturally as you now express your present identity. To express the qualities of a consciousness naturally, you must dwell or live within that consciousness. Appropriate it by becoming one with it. To feel a thing intensely and then rest confidently that it is, makes the thing felt appear within your world. I, I shall stand upon my watch and see the salvation of the Lord. I shall stand firmly upon my feeling, convinced that it is so, and see my desire appear. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Remember, heaven is your consciousness. The kingdom of heaven is within you. This is why you are warned against calling any man father. Your consciousness is the father of all that you are. Again, you are told, salute no man on the highway. See no man as an authority. Why should you ask man for permission to express when you realize that your world, in its every detail, originated within you and is sustained by you as the only conceptional center. Yeah. Your whole world may be likened to solidified space mirroring the beliefs and acceptances as projected by a formless, faceless presence, namely, I am. Reduce the whole to its primordial substance and nothing would remain but you, a dimensionless presence, the conceiver. I have a question I want to bring up, and I think it's time to get the uh, decoder ring back on. I want to, I want to <laughs> go back uh, a few sentences to where he quoted saying, um, I shall stand upon my watch and see the salvation of the Lord. That word salvation stopped me. Has Neville actually talked about salvation? And if so, yes. is it part of our decoder ring? What does it mean? And more precisely, I, I think about it because we have many times made the point that Neville is using a lot of, of biblical scripture metaphorically, and you have to understand it that way, and that one of the key differences between, say, the Neville approach and what the church typically does, the church argues that the only way to heaven to, is through salvation, and the only way through salvation is to be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, Now, he's using that particular word here, and that's what flags it for me. So what do you think Neville's saying salvation is? Neville is saying that your consciousness is your savior and that it's saving you from your present identity. <laughs> it's saving it's you problems. from yeah. the, the things that you don't want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's saving you from the pitfalls of believing that you don't have any control. Saving you from your own victimhood. Okay. I mean, that's... I mean, and he did cover it, but I can't remember if it was in another book. I think it was in another book, but he talked about salvation. I just yeah. remember what he said. He was specific, but I, I really have to start putting the, the actual Neville decoder ring glossary <laughs> together so I can refer to it because there are now so many <laughs> different translations you have to do. I, I'm losing track of them. <laughs> I, I like the idea of a Neville glossary for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He all says the conceiver is a time is to actually law. go do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it's on my list. It's on my list, right. <laughs> he says the conceiver is a law apart. Conceptions under such law are not to be measured by past accomplishments or modified by present capacities for, without taking thought, the conception in a way unknown to man expresses itself. Go within secretly. Appropriate the new consciousness. Feel yourself to be it, and the former limitations shall pass away as completely and easily as snow on a hot summer's day. 
You will not even remember the former limitations. They were never part of this new consciousness. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> that's exciting, right? <laughs> that's, well, that's really interesting, you know, and true, right? That our former limitations were, they were never part of this new consciousness. Mm-hmm. So the new consciousness, how would it remember those things? Yeah. This, this rebirth Jesus referred to when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again was nothing more than moving from one state of consciousness to another. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that I will do. This certainly does not mean to ask in words, pronouncing with the lips the sounds of God or Christ Jesus, for millions have asked in this manner without results. To feel yourself to be a thing is to have asked for that thing in his name. I am is the nameless presence. To feel yourself to be rich is to ask for wealth in his name. I am is unconditioned. It is neither rich nor poor, strong nor weak. In other words, in him there is neither Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, male nor female. These are all conceptions or limitations of the limitless, and therefore names of the nameless. To feel yourself to be anything is to ask the nameless, I am, to express that name or nature. Ask whatsoever you will in my name by appropriating the nature of the thing desired, and I will give it to you. Wow. I, I can't uh, help but think about the um, the faceless god in Game of Thrones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way Neville says, uh, to feel yourself to be a thing is to have asked for it. Right, to feel yourself to be rich. And I think about Abraham Hicks talking about the idea that we're always asking, but that we have to receive as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neville kind of combines them together. Because yeah. he's like, if you feel it, that is the asking. And it's done at that point. Mm-hmm. He speaks Do you of the see new those as being different or just two different ways of explaining the same mechanics? Well, I think here. you're right. It's both. But I just think it's significant. He uses the phrase new consciousness. And, and I think what he's referring to is a change in state of consciousness, which... Yeah, I think is, it's, yeah, the new identity, right? Yeah, it's a new identity that's being taken on, yes. And, and it, I like the phrasing because it reminds us that... Every time we change our focus, change what it is that we are wanting, change what it is that we are turning, hardening into reality by believing and, and having a conviction of it, is a moment when we are adopting a new level of consciousness. In other words, yeah. our consciousness is constantly in transition. Yes. And that's not the way we normally think about consciousness. Mm-mm. But it's a really important point. I love that he says that new consciousness never experienced those limitations. Yeah. So how could it even remember them? You won't even remember it. It won't be a thing. And I think, I mean, I know I have experienced that before. Mm -hmm. And I think actually we all have just by virtue of growing up. Oh, sure. But we think about things that were a big deal to us. I, I I think it's really good to remember, though, that the consciousness is in constant flux. It's constantly changing. I think it's such an important concept because when we realize that and internalize that, I think it actually makes it easier to start believing in whatever the thing is we're trying to convince ourselves of or whatever it is that we're trying to feel conviction for because we always change our consciousness. We always change our state of thinking. And, And if we look at it that way, then it becomes easier to make one more change, make one more transition, one more turning it around, one more new way of looking at it, one more new consciousness. You know, it's interesting is as a coach, I occasionally hear someone tell me they feel stuck. Mm-hmm. And it dawns on me now listening to you talk about that our consciousness is always changing, always in flux, uh, that when we feel stuck, it's not normal for us. That's why it affects us so much. That's right. why it's so uncomfortable. That's why we hire a coach to help us get unstuck or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we want to get out of that because our consciousness is always evolving, 
always changing, always in flux. And in those moments where it feels like it's not and we feel stuck, it doesn't feel right to us. That's right. And for good reason. Because we're the yeah. ones who got ourselves stuck there. We, 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 we stuck ourselves to this yeah. one, one yeah. flux state, this one particular state of consciousness, and by God, we're not budging out of there. We're going to keep playing that right. story over and over again. <laughs> this is who I am. Yeah. It's just the way I am. Any, anytime you hear yourself or someone else say, it's just the way I am, or that's just the way things are, um, that's a big red flag for me. Because I know, yes. oh, we're dealing with some limiting beliefs there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. reminds me of that old they song. They can that always I, be shifted. <laughs> way, way back, the, the song by, uh, um, uh, what's his name, Bruce Hornsby. Uh, back in the 1980s, the, the chorus of the song said, that's just the way it is. Think, some things will never change. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Right. Ah, but don't you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's not true. Everything is always changing. It's the only constant, right? Everything's always changing. Yeah. And we need to remember that that because we have the power to change things. Kind of cheers me up just to even think about that. Because among other things, it's saying I don't have to be stuck anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's up to me. I can choose not to be stuck. Ooh, I can actually be in the flow again. Right. (laughs) We get to decide. We get to decide. Get to decide. So, Cindy, yeah. in this last paragraph of the book, Neville is saying the, that taking on the feeling of our new desire or whatever is the asking, and the asking is like praying, right? Praying and asking are the same thing. We don't have to do these things with words. Um, just the feeling right. of it is okay. Right. I mean, what Neville is saying is, now listen to this sentence. He says, to feel yourself to be a thing is to have asked for that thing. Yes, I think what you're saying is correct, but he's saying we don't have to say it with words. Mm-hmm. Now remember, one of Neville's famous books is the the feeling is the secret. Yeah, yes. <laughs> is, that, is that it's very important that we allow ourselves to feel into that. And, you know, the story we were talking about of, my friend that was, you know, faced with getting a big promotion right mm-hmm. away, she could feel that there was some, you know, disharmony, right? Some discord with where she might be going. Oh, no. I, like it's people use the phrase about fitting in. I don't feel uh-huh. like I fit in. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, we hear things like that all the time. And so we've all probably been somewhere before where we felt like we didn't fit in. Um, mm-hmm. We need to feel like we fit in to that, whatever that identity is that we're trying to create. The person that yes. has what we want to have already. The person that's mm-hmm. done what we want to do. We need to feel into it. So it feels right. feels natural. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm reminded by what Abraham talks about. They talk about vibration. And they've even mentioned on, on various occasions that they talk about words. They talk about feelings. But really, they use those terms because those are terms we human beings know. What it's really all about is vibration. And I think that's what Neville's yeah. talking about. He's talking about vibration. Once you are yes. focused in a certain way, you are vibrating in that way. And in that way, right. the, the Abraham concept and the, and the Neville concept dovetail completely, which I like. Um, we're Thanks. just about done with time here. But before we go, I first of all want to give you, Cindy, a chance to remind everybody how do they reach out to you. I mean, clearly you know this subject well and you know your coaching stuff. So how do they reach Cindy Chavez? <laughs> they can reach me through my website, cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-D-H-A-V-E-Z.com. There's a contact form there, and uh, I would love to have you give me a shout. Say hello. All right, excellent. And, and Didi, I want to thank you for coming on board, yes. being, being part of the platform, thank being part you. of the team here. This is great. Thank you, Didi. It was great. I love it. I love you guys. So I'm so happy to be here. It's great that I mean, we were wondering, you know, what was what was it going to take for our one of our regulars to come up onto the stage? And you did it. You broke through. This is good. <laughs> it took a new laptop. That's what it was. Oh, if only I realized that. Laptops for everybody. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's wow. fabulous. Oh, yes. Thank you for coming on and, and uh, sharing your perspective. It was really a very good perspective. And I hope that you're going to keep coming back uh, at future times. We'd oh, love to yeah. have you. Right, I good. love this. My favorite subject in the whole world. So I love it. I will be here. <laughs> 
And I just want to remind everybody, if you haven't subscribed, become a subscriber. The instructions are at the homepage, LOAToday.net. Share as well and uh, you know, keep sharing it with people who you think might be receptive because we want to spread the message more and more. And with that wonderful thought in mind, we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.